Welcome to the Librarian Influencers Podcast. Each week, our host, Dr. Laura Shinneman, dives deep into school library topics to help you build your skills and take charge of your own professional development. Her mission is to create an environment where librarians flourish and become lifelong learners. Now, on to today's podcast. Was fortunate to be able to touch base with Allison during this COVID-19 time. She said that the feeling that you get when you walk through the doors of a library is created by the school librarian, regardless of whether that door is physical or virtual. Such great advice for those of us who are participating in remote learning right now. So take a listen to Allison. She's got a lot of advice to share, and she talks about presenting your authentic and perfect self. It's a great way to make connections with everybody. I'd like to welcome everyone to the Librarian Influencers Podcast, and today I'm very excited to have Allison Mackley with us. So, Allison, go ahead and tell us a little bit about your background with the library. Okay. Hi, I am so thankful to be able to take the time to talk with you today. My experience as an educator began as a seventh and eighth grade English teacher. And after 14 years in the classroom collaborating with my school librarian, she convinced me that I was truly a librarian at heart. Although I was really unsure at the time, I saw the potential in having an impact on the whole school community. And as soon as I found out there was an anticipated librarian opening at our high school, I became certified and I enrolled in the University of Pittsburgh MLIS program. After a very short time in the position, I realized that I had found home. As a school librarian, I became actively involved in the Pennsylvania School Librarians Association, first as a committee member, then as a committee co-chair, a board member, and I'm just finishing up my four years on the presidential track as the immediate past president. Okay, well, you are a very, very busy person. That's amazing, Allison. I am a very, <laughs> I'm a very busy person. Um, I will say the Pennsylvania Librarian Association provided me with a community of school librarians with whom I could learn and share and grow. And during the past 13 years, I found myself gravitating toward leadership positions in various areas mm -hmm. that have made me very, very busy. I was appointed to, uh, by the governor of Pennsylvania to the Pennsylvania Department of Education Go Governor's Advisory Council on Library Development. Wow. And I also currently serve on the American Association of School Librarians Board of Directors, the ISTE Librarians Network Leadership Team, the PSLA Board of Directors, the Pennsylvania Library Association, PA Ford Steering Team, and the Pennsylvania Teachers Advisory Committee, also known as PTAC. So, this year, I, I feel like I am going to be working on balance. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. You know how they have that? Do you have your one word for the year? That, that needs to be your word is balance. So. You know, my word for the year is actually presence. Pre okay. That's good. I, I think that that goes along with the busyness because I am always so busy mm -hmm. that, one, sometimes people, I don't give people in my life enough time, whether that be professionally or personally, but also I'm, I'm often so busy that there are so many things going on in my mind that I forget to be present where I am at the moment. And that has been, um, just considering that it's been an eye opening experience for me just in the first month of 2020, mm -hmm. I've slowed down and I've, I've really stopped to appreciate everything that's around me. I, I recently heard another, I, I listened to a lot of different podcasts and this lady was talking about 
um, the need for us, that as Americans, we're just so busy and that we really need to almost schedule time to just sit and be quiet, you know, yeah. and think, um, cause we're, cause we're so busy, 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 busy that we don't stop and, and give ourselves the time to kind of mull through things and let our creativity, you know, our juices start flowing again. So that's good. Well, I wish you the best of luck with that. <laughs> Thank you. With that. So. Thank you. Hmm? So all of this <laughs> that I do didn't happen all at once. It was a journey through my post-undergraduate coursework and becoming actively involved in the school level and district committees and then working with my students through my Learning Commons Council Club and TEDx Youth at Hershey at Chocolate Ave Club, um, presenting at conferences, earning my national board certification in um, pre-K-12 library science and really just immersing myself in the library community at multiple entry points. Goodness gracious. Okay. Uh, and, and I had heard um, I had heard you mention that you you blogged about some of this so or not blogged but you have a portfolio could you tell us about that I do um, I I keep a portfolio of some of my favorite experiences um, it's alisonmackley.weebly.com and for me it's really a showcase of the work that I do professionally and the work that I do not only at the local and state and national level but most importantly the portfolio piece of it highlights my students in the library and the types of things they're doing and the influence they have okay. on my work. So that's really important to me. I, during my presidency in the Pennsylvania School Librarians Association, I did blog every other week okay. uh, on the Pennsylvania School Librarians blog. And my blog was called um, Behind the Scenes because I realized that in a leadership position, you really understand what's going on behind the scenes in your organization. But I very quickly learned that a lot of the members didn't realize or didn't understand or didn't have uh, the ability to have a peek into mm -hmm. the type of work that we do in the association. So my job was, um, or my, my goal was to be transparent and to share different topics throughout, throughout my presidency. That's great. And it, it honestly, it gives people a, what you're saying, you know, a peek into the other side of things that, that, that go on. Like I work with graduate students as well who are getting their master's in library science. And one of the things we do is ask them to, you know, to get involved, to start like lurking, you know, on the state website yeah. and ALA and start getting a feel for things because I said, y'all have no idea at this point, all the other things <laughs> that go on, go on in the life of a librarian. So that's awesome. And yeah. you did say you're from Pennsylvania. So what, what's required to be a school librarian in your state? Sure. In Pennsylvania, to be a school librarian, you have to have a teaching certificate. It can be a teaching certificate in any subject area, and you have to have a passing score on the library science certification test. In, okay. in our state, it's called the Praxis. Okay. And um, you said teaching certificate, but does that also mean you need like so many years of teaching experience first, or how does that, do you know how that works? That's a good question. Uh, in Pennsylvania, we have a level one and a level two certificate. Okay. and uh, however, you can, so the level one certificate is what you receive immediately out of your undergraduate experience. The so level two is after a certain number of credits. I believe it's 36 credits. Wow. However, you can take the Praxis test and earn your library science certification before you become a level two instructor okay. in, in your tenured 
Um, it, ideally, you will have gone through a graduate program in library science. Uh, I, I attended the University of Pittsburgh and um, I am so thankful that that was my decision to do that while, during my first few years of, of being a librarian. However, it's not required. That is something that uh, as a, a school association, we have been talking with the Pennsylvania Department of Education about and um, trying to make sure that the people who come into our profession are as prepared and ready as possible. Exactly. That's right. So with your program, just out of curiosity, was it an ALA or AASL program? They are. Yeah, they are ALA accredited. Okay. Mm -hmm. I know a lot of people kind of stumble between, well, which one do I choose? And I always say, well, if you know for sure you want school librarianship only, then you have the option, you know, but if you want, Mm -hmm. you know, the option to do something else and, you know, definitely need ALA. Right. Yeah. So it was, it is ALA accredited and under the the whole department, I was able to choose a path. So okay. I could choose the school librarian path or the public library path, but you're right. If I had chosen the public library path, I would not be able to be um, certified as a school librarian, or I would not have been able to receive the degree as a school librarian. Yeah, good conversation, because that, that still kind of confuses a lot of people who are starting to look at our, our career and wonder you know, what they need to do, so. Well, and it, it really is different from state to state. It is. That's been amazing. Um, you know, through this podcast, I don't know how many states I really need to mark them down on a map sometime, but <laughs> you're hearing all the different ways, you know, that people can be school librarians in their state. It's just really amazing. Um, the differences. So very unique. So, all right. Well, think back to when you were first getting started. I know that's been a while, but what do you remember? What do you remember about those early days? Okay, this was, this is something interesting because it is my 27th year in education, but my 13th year in librarianship. So I'm thinking back, I'll think back 13 years because it was a huge shift. So my first years as a librarian, I remember making a lot of mistakes because the technical aspects of librarianship truly requires specialized skills. Yeah. I think you know, moving from an English classroom into the library, not only was I teaching, but I was also administering the entire library program and um, all of the all of the book processing and and mark records and everything that goes along with it so until i completed my coursework there was a lot of trial and error Um, and i'm okay with that which i'm okay with trial and error and testing things out and if they don't work learning from that and moving on and i also worked really hard to create a learning environment that felt comfortable so At first, I followed the procedures of the librarian who was previously in my position, Mm -hmm. but often slowly and sometimes much more quickly than some of the people in my school were ready for, I began to make the environment one that worked for my students and educators and the whole school environment. So I really learned to make it my own and get rid of some of the old practices that just weren't working for our current environment. Were you a teacher at the school, the same school that you became a librarian at? I was in the same district, and I'm in a very small district, Derry Township School District in Hershey, Pennsylvania, oh. and I was in the middle school. So we have uh, three elementary schools, an early childhood center, prim- a primary, and an intermediate. We have one middle school, and we have one high school, and we're all on one campus. Okay. So one of the things that was really nice for me is that I I knew my community 
-hmm. and I knew the teachers. And as I moved into the high school, I had taught a third of the students who are coming into my library. So uh -huh. that made it really easy for several years until you know, the last group that I had as seventh graders graduated. Yeah. But by then you had the processes under your belt and you knew what you were doing. And <laughs> I would love hopefully, to say that. <laughs> I would, but I will tell you that every year I'm changing, um, changing my procedures, changing the process to, to make it work better. <laughs> but that, that, that's good. That's, um, I, I could think about maybe like action research, you know, that, that you look at what's going on, you identify the problem and you figure out, all right, what are we going to do to fix this? So that's, that's exactly it. And I could actually choose that for my uh, supervision, supervision track. But I would say that that happens all the time informally too. Yes, definitely. Most definitely. All right. Well, Allison, thinking back again to your earlier days as, as a librarian, what kind of message would you tell yourself, your younger professional self? <laughs> so I would go back to Shakespeare. Maybe that's my, my English background, but I would tell myself to thine own self be true. Don't worry about what has always been. Do what right, do you know what feels right in your own heart mm -hmm. to question everything, to not get upset when others question you because it's not personal. That's hard though. <laughs> it is for me. It is so hard, but you know, you just keep reminding myself, this is not personal. This is this is not about me. This is about a process. And this is not about me. It's about a procedure. Uh, and one of the nice things, I, I think I because I was a teacher before, I could think about how little changes that I made in the library might impact the classroom teacher. So I was able to look at it from a, a, a couple different viewpoints. Mm -hmm. And the other thing that my mom always said to me growing up and to this day is this too shall pass and it will um, whether it's something that is exceedingly good that's happening or something that is very not desirable um, this too shall pass and you will move on and and live through it and be better for it i find myself telling my own children that <laughs> they're both, in, they're <laughs> yeah. both in graduate school right now and it's like it's going to be okay <laughs> Mm -hmm. Sometimes you don't want to hear that, but it's, it's true. It's true, for sure. All right. Well, you, you know, you were honest and said, you know, some things were working well and some, some didn't. Um, talk a little bit more about that. Okay. And so I mentioned before that I was in the same school district. So one of the things that worked well was because I moved from the middle school to the high school in my own district, I already had a few relationships with teachers. And I held on to that gift and asked some of them to experiment with co-teaching in the library. It's not something that um, had really been happening previously. So as I was co-teaching, word spread. You know, one English teacher would share with the other English teacher, this is what I did in the library. And I gained a lot of collaborators. So that was, that was probably one of the things that worked best for me was developing those relationships. Yes. Okay. And it is. So, and because I have a flexible schedule, um, I also made myself available as a problem solver. <laughs> and so I was, and I still am someone that people come to, uh, to help them solve whatever problem it may be, whether it be a technology problem or something dealing with, you know, professional paperwork or something dealing with students or developing a survey. I just, I'm available and I'm open and I'm still one of the people that others trust to help them. 
Nice. Yeah, one thing that didn't work so well <laughs> was I was a bit too overzealous as a strong advocate to embed the information literacy skills into the content area curriculum. Okay. I should have taken that much more slowly. And um, I was sitting in on some of the curriculum writing experiences for some of the content areas. And I couldn't speak enough about how important it was for them to teach their content knowledge through the skills of information literacy. Wow. So I learned that I moved a little bit too quickly with okay. that and had to take a step back. And by taking a step back, I, I feel as though I lost a little speed there okay. and had to start over. And had I not done that, I, I think I would have steadily grown into the curriculum rather than um, pushing a little bit too much for something that I believed in. Okay, that makes sense. So that's good, good wisdom there. It's something you kind of probably have to figure out on your own, you know, when you're, when you're just starting out. But now our listeners can learn from that. So <laughs> that's true. It, yeah. And, and I, yes, and it, as much as it, it wasn't um, always the, the best conversations when it was happening, they were important. And I learned so much about what the people um, at the high school valued um, because at the middle school I was on a team. Mm -hmm. So there was a lot of working together and a lot of interdisciplinary work. Mm -hmm. So it was just a mind shift for yeah. me. Okay. Now you said that was something you would have taken a little bit slower. Is there anything that you mm -hmm. might've started sooner? Yes, definitely. <laughs> I, I would have started my learning commons council club much sooner um, I've learned that listening to the students and taking what they have to say to heart is one of the best gifts that I've given to myself, both okay. professionally and personally, because their voices in my library um, are, they see what's happening. They know what's going to work best for them. I can talk to them about my rationale for making decisions that I make, and then they can also share with me their rationale for how the environment and the culture might be a little bit better for them in how they work. So how, how often do you meet with this student group? Well, it depends. If we have some sort of a program that we're going to be putting on or a project that we're working on, we might meet as frequently as once a week. Otherwise, we, we meet about once a month formally. And I do have officers, so they check in with me regularly. And, and the kids in my Learning Commons Council Club are regulars in our library where our library is open seven periods a day from seven or sorry 11 periods a day wow. from seven o'clock in the morning until three o'clock officially unless I stay longer so they have free flow in and out and uh, are able to touch base with me as much as they'd like to share with me their ideas okay very nice yeah I know a lot of people you know especially early on they're thinking I, I should have a student advisor group but mm even know what to do. Yeah. Oh, I highly, highly recommend it. It's something I really wish I started sooner. Yeah. All right. Now I call this um, blog and this podcast, the librarian influencers, because I, I really just see, we have such a huge impact on, you know, on the students, on the parents, on the community, on the, the educators we work with. Talk a little bit about the kind of influence that, that you see where you are for the librarian's perspective. I'm very fortunate in my district that we have teacher leader opportunities. 
So, you know, not only am I the national board certified teacher librarian in the district, but I'm also one of the instructional technology coaches in my school okay. and the K-12 library department coordinator. So simply with those three titles, I have a lot of influence over the curriculum, over um, the budget that we develop and the services that we're able to provide to, to the teachers and to the students. Mm -hmm. um, I'm really lucky to have principals and district level administrators that support me. So you know, the ideas that I bring to them about how we can influence digital literacy and information literacy, media literacy uh, among our entire school community are, are really listened to. And mm -hmm. I've been able to collaborate with the technology department to provide some after school media literacy workshops for parents oh, that, fun. yeah, so that that's been a great influence for the community. We haven't done any this year, but you know, it's really nice to, to find as a librarian that the technology department also values what I do as much as I value what they do and that we have something to share with the community. Yeah. So it's not, and on the, I'm on the district professional learning team and we're the ones who put together the district conference. We have a conference every year where we bring speakers in, but also we highlight and celebrate our own teachers who have best practices to share that team meets once a month and puts together the entire conference from choosing speakers to you know, developing the evaluation tool. So that is, I'm working with teachers from uh, kindergarten all the way up to 12th grade and also uh, the administrators are on that team. So I, I feel as though that is probably one of the best professional learning experiences that we have within our district. Mm -hmm. And then I'm also the Learning Commons Council advisor and I'm advi an advisor to our TEDx Youth at Chocolate Ave. Uh, club. So mm -hmm. this will be the third year that we will have a, a, a TEDx youth uh, presentation or a TEDx youth event. Very nice. So, I mean, just everything you just said, you, you are really hitting your or sharing your influence at all kinds of different levels, you know, mm -hmm. with the adults, with the district, with the kids, just all kinds. And that's, I'm sure it took some time um, to, to reach, you know, that part of your, of your career, your professional career. Um, but as you're looking forward, what other kind of influence are you thinking about working on? Like, what are the, some of the day-to-day -day kind of things? Sure. Well, you know, one of, I, I guess the overarching umbrella is I want to leave the library landscape at least a little better off than how I found it. So I think about that in my professional organizations. What can I do to, to leave this place better than I found it? And I think of the same thing in my school, not that I'm planning on leaving anytime soon, but how do I, how do I leave this place, whether it be the library, whether it be the whole learning commons, which is made up of not only the library, but also a one button studio and a think tank classroom and a, oh. and a um, innovation studio. How do, how do I leave this place better than, than how I found it? And that might seem like a big thing, but every day there are little things that I can do to, you know, to have that influence and, and leave it a better place than when I found it. And one of the 
things as I'm thinking about this, that a lot of people, I, I get a lot of feedback that I, that I'm good at elevating others mm-hmm. by illuminating their potential and providing opportunities that they could pursue. So I feel like um, one of the other ways that I, I like to influence is to hold up others around me, whether they be other school librarians, which is usually my focus, or the teachers or the students around me. And if I want to look kind of more on a day-to-day basis, the Pennsylvania Department of Education came out with a career-ready skills continuum. It's really focused on social-emotional learning. And I have been, it's it's great, you can search it, um, you know, if you just Google it, you'll be able to find it. But it focuses on skills like self-awareness and self-management, establishing and maintaining relationships and social problem solving skills. And I see the librarian and the library as a place where students can learn that yeah, and learn those skills. And not only can I model them and make sure that I'm (laughs) focused on those type of skills, but it's also a place to informally teach those lessons. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's one of my biggest ways that I'm hoping to influence this year. Awesome. Well, you've, you've got a lot of experience under your belt um, at this point in your career. It's just, it's, it's impressive listening to it all, but I also just, I hear your heart, you know, I can hear mm-hmm. the, the things that you care about. Um, so let's talk a little bit more just about the kind of, of wisdom that you would like to share with our learners today. Okay. <laughs> so I think I learned this more recently than I maybe would have hoped to learn it. But during my presidency, I I really learned, and and I guess through my school experiences too, presenting your authentic, imperfect self is the path to professional and personal contentment. I think up to this point, I have always thought of myself as a perfectionist. And I think that other people think of me in that way too. So this year I did a lot to show people that, you know, I, I don't do everything perfectly. There's a lot, a lot of missteps along the way and I'm not perfect. And really, if you hold anyone up on that pedestal as being perfect, they're going to fall at some point. So I did a lot of work this year to make sure that I was presenting myself as someone who's just doing the best she can. And that has really led to a lot of contentment in my life, whether that be my professional life or my personal life. I think this is the first time in a long time I have felt content. Um, And as a matter of fact, I think that previously I would have said that if if you felt content, then you have become complacent. And I don't believe that anymore. (laughs) I believe that you can feel content and still have a meaningful um, experience and meaningful life. Yeah, definitely. That's definitely. And, you know, a lot, I think a lot of it too is when you're starting out young and you're young in the career, not necessarily that you're young, but it just in this career path, whatever career path, you always want to make sure people are seeing you in the best light, you know, and then it becomes stressful, but, um, Mm -hmm. But you reach a point where it's okay. You know, this is me. This is, life's not always perfect. That's true. And I think as much as I was 
that way as an English teacher. I think as a librarian, it that idea of feeling that I had to be perfect was heightened because as an English teacher, I knew my job would exist. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's a state tested, <laughs> um, it's a state tested content area. Mm -hmm. As a librarian, we're one of the first people who could possibly be cut because of budget reasons. And it truly, if I don't collaborate with teachers and if I don't win them over, then I don't have a class. I don't have students. Right. So I think that concern was heightened in me and it's taken me these years to realize that, you know, I just need to present myself, my authentic self. And it's, it's made a world of difference. This, the influence obviously came from Brene Brown. I use her language regularly in my life. She's been a huge influence on my leadership style and on my professional and personal interactions. Okay. Um, the, you know, dare to, dare to lead. I read it last year. Um, and then I bought the audio book and I listened to her read it and read it at the same time. And then I read it again. Um, but the man in the arena, um, with the, it's not the critic who counts. Um, there's no effort without error or shortcomings, uh, has been rumbling around in, in, <clears throat> in my mind. And I just realized just probably a week or so ago there's a picture in my office that was left there by the previous librarian and it's just beautiful it's a, it's this illuminated picture of a quote and i looked at it more closely the other day and it's actually the man in the arena by teddy roosevelt and it's had that speech has had such an impact on my life I didn't realize that it had been actually sitting over my shoulder for my entire career as a librarian. So that was um, an interesting thing. I also received the gift from um, the board when I left the presidency was, was the quote also. Um, so it's just interesting how things happen. You know, mm -hmm. her, her lesson about clear as kind, unclear as unkind. Uh, you know, integrity is choosing courage over comfort. I had to do that a lot in the past few years. And, and I'm sure I will in the future too. Mm -hmm. And I did a lot of work with my values, trying to figure out exactly what they were. Um, so, you know, her work around daring leaders live into their values and they're not silent about the hard things. Mm -hmm. I've learned that it might not be comfortable, but if I want to live by my values and not only in my personal life, but in my professional life, I need to speak up. Yeah. Um, you know, and there's a way to do that <laughs> for sure. Uh, but in, you know, learning that if I do that, people see that as courage and that's contagious. Mm -hmm. So I, I learned a new kind of brave this year by presenting my authentic, imperfect self. And Brene says you should have a strong back, a soft front and a wild heart. That's and I'm great. working toward that. That's great. Um, and we, we have heard, um, you know, a lot of think people mention things like the brave before perfect. Yes. Um, you know, we really do need to, to be, be willing to step out and give some things a try. Um, so with, with our new librarians that are listening to you today, do you have any first steps that you would share with them? Like how, how can they get started? Cause it took you a while to get to this point yourself, <laughs> but what can they do to like an initial step? Well, the, the, 
thing that I have been thinking about for the past few years is just the idea that the library is more than a place. Mm -hmm. It's a feeling you get when you walk through the doors and, and those students know and the teachers know and your administrators know um, the minute they walk through the door, the mm -hmm. type of library you have and the type of caring and heart that you've put into it. So I would say the beginning steps, it's your job to develop this type of physical and cultural environment mm -hmm. um, that you want to create for your library and, and to remember that you don't have to do it alone. Very true, very true. Yeah, one time I tried polling some different people about how, how did they know that it was you know, a good library when they were going in to, to look at it and they would all just talk about the feeling, but nobody could really give it any concrete things. It's like measurable you know, kind of things. But, mm -hmm. It is, it is more of like just a, I'm welcome, you know, it's okay, it's calm, whatever. I don't know. But it's just, it's, an, it's an emotion. It, it is. And it's a hard thing to describe, but you just recognize it, you know, when, yeah. when you're there. All right. Well, Allison, it's been great talking to you today. Um, I, I know you're very active professionally. Do you have any recommendations for our listeners about what they can do? Uh, or like, how do you keep sharp? Uh, I really rely on my professional learning network. Um, off, I, I do have a, a PLN within my school, but uh, my greatest professional learning network is outside of my school district. So I'm really active. I have active membership in my professional organizations. I read a lot of professional publications and work to maintain relationships. Okay. And my go-to source right now is Twitter. Yes. Um, so that's where I can connect with experts in the field and read articles and gain new perspectives and really validate my own professional practice and share my voice. Mm -hmm. So uh, that's Twitter right now is, uh, is where I spend my time when I have some extra minutes to, to learn a little bit more. Okay. Do y'all have any chats like for your state that you follow or like what? We, yes, we do. Actually, okay. um, Ellen Stolarski, who you interviewed not too long ago, um, helps to organize or organizes the PA Lib chat. Okay. And we have a once a month chat. And I say we, meaning she <laughs> organizes a once a month chat. Uh, I will actually be the host of the February chat. So my topic is, are you Googleable? <laughs> so that should be fun because we can look at that from a lot of different areas. But I do participate in the in that chat monthly as much as I can. And uh, I hosted one last year with my friend Heather Lister, and we focused on, you know, li librarians. What exactly is that job? <laughs> so we, we have some fun topics with that. And I, I, I do participate in that one. Yeah, well, just from those two names alone that you said, I know that you've got a great professional network. So, <laughs> awesome. So, if any of our listeners today, you know, want to know more about what you're sharing, or or just want to follow you so they can learn from you, where can they find you online? Sure, I'm on Twitter. Like I said, I'm at a Mackley. Uh, my Facebook, uh, it's Allison Mackley. My my maiden name is Siegel, so you can find me at a Mackley twenty one. Instagram um, has been a, a, an interesting journey for me. I had a personal Instagram and a school Instagram, and I uh, kind of froze because I didn't know what to post where. Okay. So I've made a recent decision. So I really wasn't posting anywhere. So I made a recent decision that I'm going to um, sunset my <laughs> school uh, mm -hmm. library 
Instagram and just use um, a.macley as my Instagram and I'll start moving things over there that are both personal and professional so I can have the work-life balance. Yeah. My um, high school website I, is a great place to visit, hersheyhslib-amacley.weebly.com. You could just search Hershey High School Library, Hershey High School Learning Commons. It's okay. the first result that comes up. And I had mentioned my professional website, uh, alisonmackley.weebly.com. Great. Well, Allison, thank you so much for sharing all your ideas today. And, and even not just for our um, early career librarians, you've got a lot of advice as well for our, our people that are leading districts and, and leading, just leading others. And so just thank you for that influence that you've had. And I look forward to following you and, and learning some more from you. So have a great day. And I look forward to talking to you later. Bye -bye. Thank you so much, Laura. You're welcome.